the 23rd episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Town Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I admit I added that because my family members had no idea where I went to school. Anyway, I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. And if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Now, last week was the busiest week I've ever had on this project. I had three podcasts, the first being... My regular weekly podcast, I also did a podcast based on the crazy story where Jesse Waters tried to take credit for a a rapist getting arrested and arraigned where Jesse Waters had nothing to do with that. That involved a 10-year-old victim who got an abortion that was legal. There's a lot to that story. I'm probably going to make that into a video because I'm still really worked up about it. Um, Just do like a short timeline because if you hear the timeline, you can see why Jesse Waters... It had absolutely no effect on that story whatsoever, other than to harass the abortion provider who did not break any laws. Okay, and then the third one I did was the January 6th, day eight of the hearings. So I'm exhausted. That was six hours. That last one was six hours worth of media that I had to go through. Very interesting, though. Um, I got some really great clips out of Ingram from that one. I'm going to be covering Ingram this week because I haven't covered her since late May, and I figured I need to focus on her show for a minute. So here's the headline. This was the biggest story in the world last week. Fox News, we will ignore climate change until all of North America is on fire. A condensed overview of 11 hours of Fox News for the week ending July 24th, 2022. A typical Fox News viewer would have no idea that the northern half of the globe experienced record-breaking heat last week. They might also believe that gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin narrowly escaped death when he was attacked by a man with a plastic keychain. A Fox News fan would also get a heavy dose of conspiracy theories regarding Bill Gates' farmland grab and COVID-19. In short, the past week in Fox News was a dismal mess of disinformation mixed with paranoia, fear-mongering, and lying through omission. Parts of Europe got so hot they burst into flames, but a Fox News viewer would never know it. So yeah, that's kind of a problem. Um, Now before I get into this, I just want to share a quick story last week. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw this. I thought it was funny. Um, The illustrious Dan Bongino got pissy because I called his opinion about climate change uninformed. Um, I just happened as total luck. Um, I tweeted about three Dan Bongino clips in a row, which was kind of total accidental. And he only responded to that one. And what the clip was, and this is a common thing they do on Hannity, they'll pair Bongino with Geraldo Rivera which is an uneven pairing because Geraldo doesn't like to really, he does fight with people, but he still likes to get along. And he tends to talk about himself more than anything else. Um, they even tease him for this. On the five, they say like he start because he kind of does. He starts every comment with, well, I've been a journalist for 
five decades now in my long, illustrious career. And then he starts to talk about himself before he gets to the point. That's kind of what Geraldo Rivera does. So he just can't match somebody like Bongino who's just going to shout him down. And in this clip, they were talking about climate change. And Bongino was like puffing his chest and acting like an expert on climate change. And, I, you know, I'm going to stand by my uninformed opinion because I've seen him get other things wrong. Ha ha. And yeah, I don't think he has any science background or training. Not that you do, but when you say stuff like ice core data, that's really specific and tree rings. And I just kind of go, where did you read that? What climate denialist book did you read that garbage in? And now you're spewing it in your half-baked kind of deranged ranting. So Dan Bongino got pissy with me and retweeted me, which is terrible to do to me because I don't even care. I just laugh my head off. I got about 50 new followers, friendly followers, I'll add, because what Bongino and other Fox personalities don't understand is they have haters that follow them. So when they retweet someone like me, yeah, the majority of their followers are gonna be like, oh, I hate that person. Oh, that account's horrible. You know, I like I care. Um, but there's also people who follow Bongino just to mock him and make fun of him. I know because I see it. I'm on Twitter too. So they came over and followed me. I swear to God, I got about 50, 60 new followers in one day because of Dan Bongino's retweet. And then I went through my archives just for the hell of it and found a tweet from a month ago that I ran out of time to do last month. And it was Bongino arguing again with Geraldo Rivera on Hannity, where Bongino just basically shouted over Geraldo and said that New York was far more dangerous than Florida. And why is that? Because Florida has so many more guns than New York. Ha, 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 ha. And Geraldo had no rebuttal except for, well, we have subways. Because Geraldo did not come prepared. He did not know the assignment. I did. So I knew immediately that Bongino was full of it because the general trend, and this is across the country, the looser the gun laws the higher the gun deaths. Again, that's across the country. And I found that researching another um, episode for Decoding Fox News. I found this great resource and I never forgot it. So I went back and started searching. And lo and behold, Florida gun rates per, gun deaths per 100,000 residents is over twice as high as New York State. And even when you compare New York City to major cities in Florida, guess what? <laughs> New York City was far safer than major cities like Miami and Orlando. So you really don't want to do that, Bongino. And as a member, a former member of law enforcement, you would think he would know that, right? That's his expertise. That's something he should know without even looking up. So I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to stand by uninformed opinion about climate change. That is my opinion, and I'm allowed to it. You can't sue me for that. I didn't accuse you of a crime. <laughs> you can't get me for slander. I'm allowed to have an opinion about you, sir. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and again, like that is the number one state, by the way, just fun fact, not really fun, but a, a fact, is Mississippi has the highest rates per 100,000 residents of gun deaths, not New York not California, it's Mississippi. So again, loose gun laws equal more gun deaths just across the board. And the reason why people don't know that is they're used to hearing high numbers. They think Chicago is the deadliest city in the, in the country and it's nowhere near it. Chicago has a lot of violence, but Chicago is also enormous. The city that normally tops the list of homicides per capita is St. Louis. And St. Louis only has a population of the actual city proper 
of about 330,000 people. So that number is not going to mean much unless you do it on a per capita basis, which is much more telling, isn't it? Like if I say there were 50 murders in New York last year compared to 50 murders in St. Louis last year, if you're talking about a city with 8.6 million people, that's a very different ratio than 330,000. And I tell anybody, don't listen to me, don't listen to any other website, go out, empower yourself, find that information yourself because anyone can. If you stay away from highly partisan websites, which with gun control and anything with guns is very difficult to do because that is such a contentious issue. But if you look up hard data like gun deaths per capita, you can find that. I got my information from the Center for Disease Control and you will get a very hard number that is very difficult to argue against. This next clip is a great juxtaposition of how Fox News kind of mocked climate change. And this is a very short excerpt of a much longer PBS clip about what was going on last week. Religious climate alarmist cult. What is real is existential climate change. Today has been the hottest day ever recorded in Britain. The country baked under superheated air that sparked fires, buckled train tracks, and touched off a torrent of emergency calls. As Stephanie Sy reports, it's part of a wider weather emergency that's lasted for days. A scorching heat wave continues to engulf Europe, smashing high temperature records. In the UK Tuesday, the mercury hit 104.5 degrees, beating a record set in 2019. But most homes in Europe don't have air conditioning, which makes the heat more dangerous. Officials have tallied more than 1,000 heat-related deaths so far in Portugal alone. Another danger, fire. Flames from a grass fire consumed homes in a suburb of London. In France, 39,000 people have been forced to evacuate as firefighters struggle to put out wildfires in shifting winds. In Spain, wildfires have spread frighteningly close to railways. This video was captured by a passenger. Europe has been experiencing more excessive heat waves in recent years. Evidence, experts say, of climate change. So. Uh, climate change was one of the main things that was focused on for PBS from this past week that not only did Fox News not cover, but they mocked and they had segment after segment after segment where they kept making fun of climate change and kept, uh, you know, they call President Biden this socialist, radical, progressive who's trying to radically change economies and make us all like dependent on the government and all this nonsense because most people who even are radical environmentalists would call Biden a moderate at best. And Biden has also been hamstringed by this particular Congress. Senator um, Joe Manchin specifically just destroyed yet another attempt to put more funding towards climate change. That just happened like two weeks ago. So, but Fox would, if you watched Fox, you'd never know that. Now, the next big story from last week um, involved a gubernatorial candidate in New York State, a representative named Lee Zeldin. Um, I'm going to play the clip first, and then we'll talk about it. The hallmark of any authoritarian regime is politicized justice. Under that system, your opponents go to jail. Your supporters can do whatever they want. And this reveals that the state exists not to serve the people who live in it, but to preserve itself and to crush all dissent. 
I hate to think we've reached a point anywhere near that here in the United States because there's nothing worse than that or scarier or harder to fix. But in fact, we have reached that point. That's where we are. Yesterday, for example, a man leaped on stage at a campaign event and tried to stab Lee Zeldin. Zeldin's a sitting member of Congress. He's challenging the unelected incumbent, Kathy Hochul, in the governor's race in New York. So ordinarily, attempting to assassinate a federal office holder would be considered a big deal. But Lee Zeldin is a Republican, so it's not a big deal anymore. The man who tried to murder Lee Zeldin was released immediately with no bail. A man did attack Lee Zeldin. The weapon he used was a $10 plastic keychain. The New York Post reported on the story on Friday around 1 p.m. The New York Post is owned by News Corp, the same company that owns Fox. Now I point that out because uh, neither Tucker Carlson nor Sean Hannity seem to know that detail about it being a plastic keychain. Um, it's it. Let me describe it. It looks like a cat. It fits over your the knuckles of the two middle fingers and it's basically supposed to be a self-defensive type of device so if you have to hit somebody your punch might hurt a little bit more than if it was just your hand it's not metal it's not serrated it's plastic uh, it's hard plastic but i have no idea how anyone could puncture skin with this thing i used to own one <laughs> the tips of mine eventually broke off and it wasn't even Pointed? I mean, you would not call this thing sharp. It's not sharp. Now, of course, this plastic keychain that cost $10, that was plastic, not sharp, um, was referred to as a blade on Tucker Carlson tonight, and Hannity called it a knife. They both acted as if this was an assassination attempt on Lee Zeldin, and then they criticized Kathy Hochul for promoting Lee Zeldin's campaign events, which apparently she did, allegedly she did. And how is that a big deal? Because Lee Zeldin would also be heavily promoting his campaign events. That's kind of how a campaign works. In fact, a campaign, if you've ever volunteered for a campaign, you'd know if you're a breathing body and you're willing to, you know, go door to door or put up posters, they'll take you, they don't care. There's no background check if you're a low-level volunteer, um, just like there's no background check if you show up to a campaign event. So these are incredibly public events that are heavily, heavily, heavily promoted by the campaign. And the other caveat to this is that Lee um, Zeldin tried to really make this into, this man tried to kill me, and then the DA let him out with no bail. What? This is crazy. And he turned it into this platform to bash um, New York's new bail reform laws. Now, the reason why there's a caveat here is the local district attorney is a woman named Sandra Dorley, who works on the campaign of Lee Zeldin. So she's working for Lee Zeldin. She happens to be the district attorney of the area where this happened. And it was her office's decision to let this attacker go with no bail. He was charged with attempted assault, not attempted murder, which you'd never know if you watched Tucker or Hannity because they kept saying attempted murder. He was charged with attempted assault. So when the press found out that Sandra Dorley was the DA and happened to be the co uh, campaign co-chair for Lee Zeldin, 
she recused herself from the case and was like, oh, no, I, I, okay, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm not doing, I'm not touching this. I'm recusing myself. But she did it after the fact. So, and the poor man who attacked Lee Zeldin, and I say poor man because he had like all these mental health problems. His wife died. He spiraled. All his neighbors said he had problems, problems, problems. Later, it confessed that he didn't even know who Lee Zeldin was and that he just was drunk and he snapped. So, yeah, not really much of an assassination attempt. And this is kind of embarrassing because it was a $10 plastic keychain. And um, PBS did report on this. They did all of 20 seconds on it and basically said it was just attempted assault, that nobody got hurt. And that's it. Um, so, yeah, and it was so embarrassing. They, they, Hannity even had Lee Zeldin on to interview him directly. Like, oh, you poor thing, you survived near death. And it was embarrassing, to be quite frank. Now, this next clip is included because I just kind of chuckled at it. On Thursday was day eight of the January 6th committee hearings. And that took up three hours of Fox primetime, the first being Tucker Carlson tonight into Hannity into the Ingram angle. Tucker Carlson tonight had one snide remark that referenced the hearing, never talked about it again. Sean Hannity desperately kept talking about it and kept trying to blame with his crazy theory that's been debunked. You can go to factcheck.org and just Google, you know, Republican conspiracy theory, January 6th, Nancy Pelosi. And they have a 10-page detailed analysis that completely destroys this stupid, goofy conspiracy theory cooked up by Sean Hannity. But Sean Hannity spent about half of his airtime panically talking about January 6th. Um, Laura Ingram, one snide comment, never mentioned it again. That's how they dealt with it the night of the actual hearings. The next day, Tucker, again, brought it up and was very vicious about it. Hannity brought it up again. So... This is Tucker's sort of defiant comment that I spliced with Fox Business's uh, coverage of the January 6th report. Put their lies on TV unedited in primetime, which is what every other channel has done except Fox News, and we are proud of that. Well, you should be ashamed. Yeah, you should be ashamed. This is Fox special coverage of the primetime hearing in the House Select Committee's investigation of the January 6th Capitol riot. Good evening. I'm Brett Baer in Washington. And I'm Martha McCallum. Good evening, everybody. So, yeah, I just thought that was amusing because here he is all defiant. Fox News will never show this on primetime. And then there was Fox Business showing it in primetime with your A-list actual journalists. Um... And I will add, if you listen to the podcast about day eight of the January 6th committee hearings, I noted that there was a tonal shift in the commentary and they included more than one opposing view and a neutral voice. And those three people kind of all said that Donald J. Trump looked terrible and that this had gone too far. And there seemed to be a shift. And I said that I thought that this was the beginning of Fox News pivoting away from Donald J. Trump, possibly to Ron DeSantis. I think everyone's been saying that for months. I'm not the only person that's noted this, but I did notice a def definite tonal shift on day eight, and I've watched all eight of them, and I thought that that was interesting. And the next day, New York Post, which is a tabloid, but one of the most read newspapers in the country, came out 
with an editorial that basically said the exact same thing I said, where they were shifting away from Donald A. Trump because of the January 6th situation of how he just sat there and he didn't do anything and how this made him look really bad. So I was like vindicated. I was like, I called it, I called it, I called it, I called it. And now even today, there was a segment on, I don't want to mix two weeks together, but Fox and Friends, where they said that there was a poll at Turning Point USA that basically indicated that Ron DeSantis might be the new MAGA king. Now, this next clip is about a conspiracy theory that anyone can debunk with fourth grade math. I did it myself with a calculator to sort of prove how easy this was. Now, this was part of Laura Ingram's show, The Ingram Angle, on Thursday, the same night as the hearings. And her show that night was particularly strange because she was kind of all over the place. And again, she didn't talk about the, she had one mention of the hearing and that was it, where she just basically made fun of it. So I'm just going to play this clip. You'll hear it. And then I'll break down how I broke it Here's down. Bill Gates has bought up hundreds of thousands of acres across the United States. So the question is, what does he plan to do with it? Showing the land owned by Bill Gates throughout the United States in a graphic here. This map is laughably misleading. Bill Gates owns a fraction of the land in these states. An acre is not that big. It's about 60% the length of a soccer field. Bill Gates owns just shy of 270,000 acres of U.S. farmland. The total number of U.S. farmland is 895 million acres. So what percentage is 270,000 of 895 million? This is fourth grade math. That's about one third of 1%. So Bill Gates does not even own 1% of U.S. farmland. If we're gonna have somebody with that kind of power over the marketplace, Congress would not be doing its job if we didn't ask some difficult questions. In what industry does someone who owns less than 1% of something dominate any market? Well, if we don't have a problem with the CCP buying up this land, I mean, of course, <laughs> Congress is... And just as a side note, the Chinese government owns less than Bill Gates. Here's a handy little article about it from the Associated Press that explains this at length. Now, I should have said before I played that, that the second voice that you heard in that clip was Dusty Johnson. He's a representative from South Dakota. And the, the actual clip is much longer, and they were going on and on about how Bill Gates was trying to get us to not eat meat, and this was his plan, and n none of that's true. Um, Bill Gates bought cropland, which is different than the type of land where cattle are raised. And they're, they're, it's farming's very specialized because it depends on the soil and the climate and all kinds of things like what you're going to grow on that land. And he bought up cropland. And who knows why he keeps buying up you know, cropland, but he really doesn't own that much of it. And the CCP, which she mentioned, is the Chinese government, and they own 190,000 acres of farmland. And that hasn't changed in about 20 years, which you could also just Google that and find that in like 30 seconds. So this is just another fear-mongering nonsense, silliness. There's no basis in this. And again, knock that one down with one equation, which is so great because some of these conspiracy theories are so multi-layered and so complicated. They're very, they're, they just take a lot more effort and time to debunk. But the Bill Gates one is like, hit it right out of the park in like five minutes. So. And I want to eventually make that into a much nicer video with graphics and make it prettier so that more people will watch it. Um, that one I had to make in like, you know, 30 minutes because that's 
that's this gig. I have to fly. I have to, I get that, I get a clip and I got to put it on Twitter as soon as possible. Um, but I think that that conspiracy theory is going to sit around for a minute. So I will have a little bit of time to make that into like a, a nicer video, put it on YouTube and hopefully people will watch it. And this next one involves a conspiracy theory that they were all pushing, um, but different versions of it, which is funny when you watch primetime, if you go Tucker Carlson, Hannity, Ingram, or Jesse Waters, primetime, Tucker, Hannity, whatever, if you watch more than one show in a row this happens far more than you think because the primetime shows are kind of independent they will contradict each other and this is a great example of that i'm not going to give too much away i'll just play the clip a tale of two covids it was october 2020 it was just weeks from the election and former president trump had come down with covid y'all remember well the reaction from the media and the politicos was about what you would have expected hysterical. With Biden's approval hitting record lows, the response from the media quite different now that Joe has caught the bug. So instead of the 24-7 hectoring, Biden's case is being presented as pretty much no big deal. That Biden displayed a picture of himself maskless and announcing his positive test. And of course, let's not forget the investigative pieces dedicated to finding out the source of Trump's infection. Took off the mask. It was a, you know, crime against humanity. Molly, this a, is so blatantly, uh, you know, such a double standard here that it's almost, I don't even want to play him anymore because it's so obvious. Okay, that first clip is from the Ingram angle. The second clip was aired an hour earlier. This is a medical doctor on Hannity. Do you have to remember SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, it can affect everyone very different ways. It's a tricky virus. How many times have you actually heard me say that? So many times, and it still is a tricky virus. But thankfully, new data out of New England Journal of Medicine, British Medical Journal, just the past couple of weeks out of Israel show, within four months of your second booster dose of those high-risk people, the risk of a severe outcome is less than 1%. So that means while the risk isn't zero that President Biden will have a severe course of COVID-19, it is a very low risk. And that is thanks to everything you just listed, vaccines, boosters. We have a much more milder variant, the BA4 and 5 variants of Omicron are causing much more mild illness. And as well, we have more treatments. It's just a very different uh, virus that we're dealing with right now, or just a different situation in general. And, uh, you know, I think people keep wanting to compare it to when President Trump had COVID versus President Biden, but you can't. It's apples to oranges. President Biden is in a much better place getting COVID-19. And that is despite the fact that he's approaching 80, despite the fact he has medical comorbidities, the risk of severe outcome is low. So So yes, that is kind of an amazing clip because the second part of that clip, the doctor's voice that you hear, who's explaining very rationally that COVID-19 is a very different disease now, aired the hour before the Ingram angle. So that was immediate, same day. So I hear that doctor's voice and her explanation. And then Laura Ingram goes into this tirade about a tale of two COVIDs where she's outraged that we're treating these diseases differently now in two different presidents. When the disease itself has changed due to the vaccine, due, due to the variants, due to the treatments. And that's basically what she, the doctor then ex- describes. So I stuck those two together and was like, wow, that was amazing. I didn't have to do anything but just show Fox contradicting Fox. Now this next segment is Bogus Expert of the Week. And I have my new bit that I do for Bogus Expert of the Week by request. Because you guys like it when I do goofy accents. At least some of you do. I don't, it's so hard to perform, quote unquote, for a microphone and a computer. I can't see any of you. I don't know. 
but this is my new bit that I do for Bogus Expert. Oh, hi, I'm Pam, and we're going to talk about the Bogus Expert of the Week. But first, we're going to say what bogus means, and bogus means fake. You know, like when you're practicing your cake making and your cake decorating. When you practice cake decorating, you don't use real cake. You use something like styrofoam because it's fake, and then you can display it for months. It's bogus, like this bogus expert of the week. And this bogus expert of the week is Joe Bastardi, who is a meteorologist by trade, so he does actually have training, but he uses absolutely wacky science. And this is from Hannity. The idea that you can actually control what you didn't create, an infinite and majestic system, uh, such as the atmosphere, uh, it's, it's simply a way to try to sway people to reach to something bigger than what they are doing today. If it is warming, and there is warming going on, it's, a, it's sort of a distorted warming, where it's warming more in the north during their winter seasons or the south in their winter seasons than it is in the middle where most people live. But even if it is warming, obviously capitalism, freedom, competition, has and led by America, has caused us to not only adapt to this, but to thrive with it. And so folks, you know, I'm just going to quote my dad said, the foundation you stand on today was built yesterday to reach for tomorrow. If you don't know yesterday, and this is what we do at Weatherbound, we look meticulously at past weather events. For instance, that Texas freeze was like 1899, right. so you can see it coming, right? Let, so that's what add, we do. You just to need show to do people that. How like, what the heck was that clip? What did that man just say? I have no idea talking just talking and I, he did have a longer segment and he basically was talking about like past weather events and claiming they were worse and claiming more people die from cold than heat so who cares even though far more people live where it's hot than when they live where it's cold and i mean europe was literally on fire last week but we're not going to mention that we're not going to mention no we're not going to mention that we're not going to mention mention uh, pavement buckling and uh railroad tracks getting all screwed up from how hot it was outdoors no just gonna tell stories about her dad there you go okay the last clip of the week is a clutch your pearls which again i need to do a formal clutch your pearls and this is dan bongino my favorite who i mentioned at the top of the podcast because i do think he might have an actual hamster running around in a wheel for a brain um this is a this is a great clip it's not about climate change, but it's about Dan Bongino being outraged over something that President Biden did with Saudi Arabia. And he just, I don't know, just completely seems to forget how Trump was with the same country. Yeah, him going over to kiss the ring of the Saudis has to be one of the low points for U.S. foreign policy in the 47 years I've been on this planet. Listen. And there he is, President Donald J. Trump bowing for the royal Saudi family. Okay, so for the purposes of the video, I did loop that a few times because I thought it was funny. Because um, uh, it is Trump literally bowing to the Saudi royal family. Now, the United States relationship with Saudi Arabia has been fraught and is much like frenemies for 75 years. It's never been really healthy. We know the, the country does a lot of nefarious things we're not crazy about. It's just that they are kind of our only friend in a part of a world where everyone hates us and happens to have a lot of oil underneath it. So it's just a bad situation. Um, 
so it it's kind of hard to criticize any president with Saudi Arabia because we've never really been great. It's not, it's, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you just go, ugh. And it, it's been bad for decades. Like, their human rights abuses have been epic, and then we just sort of turned a blind eye because we're like, well, they hate Iran. And don't even get me started on Yemen. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on and on about that part of the world. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I'm not going to say it's great. It's not. Uh, Trump had a kind of a weird relationship with the Saudi royal family and that he didn't really care when they killed the Saudi Arabian American um, journalist Khashoggi. And he also kind of shrugged a little bit when the Saudi national had the terrorist attack in Pensacola, Florida at the naval base that killed three sailors, injured eight others. Uh, Trump seemed to bend over backwards to defend the Saudis again. And then there was this bizarre thing at during the pandemic when oil prices were just plummeting because Saudi Arabia had gotten into a price war with Russia because they produce a lot of the world's oil and they were trying to underbid Russia to kind of destroy Russia's oil production. And Trump comes in and says, I'm going to take all our military, U.S. military out of the country, which I don't know if he could have done that. And there were some senators who were for it, but there's no guarantee that they would have all voted for it, especially with a senator. Are you kidding me? And so he like threw his weight around and they were like, OK, fine. And they they um, reduced production, which raised the price a little bit. And during this time, the price was crazy low because it was in April of 2020, which that was the peak of the pandemic. So and that's may or may not have anything to do with part of the reason why production never really completely came back. So which is part of the reason why when demand soared back like a monster, when things got a little bit better with the pandemic, there was no supply. And that also has to do with refining. It's it's kind of too complicated to explain without dedicating the entire podcast to it. But oil prices are very fraught. Our relationship with Saudi Arabia is crazy, not healthy, never good. The country itself, their leadership's terrible. But we just kind of put up with it because it's like, well, we hate Iran. And Pakistan, has. we have like a crazy relationship with them. It's not healthy and not great. I mean, I could do three podcasts dedicated to United States foreign policy in the Middle East and how horrible it is. <sighs> but I, I, I want to keep moving on with this episode. Hopefully I'll get it in at 40 minutes. It's a little bit long. I'm sorry about that. It was just a lot of, I couldn't believe how many clips I got last week. Unbel- it was just, my cup runneth over. So very quickly, stories that Fox News ignored, the heat wave in the US, the heat wave in Europe, cases of COVID-19 are on rise around the world. Um, There was a bill to protect contraception that passed the House. Um, There was a bill about uh, U.S.-made semiconductor chips. It's working its way through. Um, There was a bill uh, to try to protect same-sex marriage. Fox did not report on any of it. They reported on the semiconductor chips story, but only to try to say that Nancy Pelosi's husband was insider trading, and they didn't have any proof of that. Um, There was also an executive order by Biden relating to hostages being held abroad by foreign governments and terrorist groups. They, they did a great uh, story on PBS about Steve Deidelbach, who's the new director of the ATF. And it was very, uh, it was extended and it, was, it had a lot of information in it. There was a UN report on Afghanistan that talked about the Taliban. And Hannity is supposedly obsessed with Afghanistan, didn't bring this one up. 
the Prime Minister of Italy resigned and the entire government dissolved. That was crazy. Fox did not mention it. The war in Ukraine, Fox did not mention it. The agreement, but they had no segments on it. Agreement between the United Nations, Turkey, Russia, and Ukraine to help get grain out of Ukraine so the world doesn't starve to death. Fox did not mention it. Um, the ongoing uh, political unrest in Sri Lanka, lawmakers chose the very unpopular prime minister to become the new president. Fox did not mention it. There was a federal report that found overdose deaths were higher among people of color than white people in the United States. Fox did not mention it. Thomas Lane, a police officer involved in the murder of George Floyd, sentenced to 2.5 years on federal charges. And of course, there's no way Fox is mentioning that, and they did not. Then the, I talk about the Lee Zeldin attack a little bit, about how different their coverage was on that. And then monarch butterflies became an endangered species. Fox did not mention it, and that's quite sad. Then I have the graphs, um, Fox compared to PBS, and then the news count, the funniest being um, probably Pelosi mentioned 40 times, because why not? Um, Bail was mentioned 22 times, assassinate six times. That was all in conjunction with Lee Zeldin. Hillary, nine times. AOC, of course, 18 times. Why not? And uh, Riot, 47 times. Crime, 49 times. So that's kind of interesting. No mention of same-sex marriage or birth control, even though there were bills that were voted on. You would think that would have been a, a topic, but no. So I want to give a quick shout out to my Patreons because I, the new Patreons, I did thank everybody, but it was a bonus podcast and I feel like I should do it in my regular weekly podcast. Um, so Dean Cully, thank you very much. Ed Anderson, thank you very much. Kevin Gao from St. Louis, uh, family friend, thank you very much. Dan Bianco, again, I'm going to go down the whole list. Vicki Lynn, Dave Fugelso, Sizzle Dizzle, a personal friend of mine, Andrew Wright, and I think I got everybody. No, Joe McFadden. He was the first. How could I forget? He's at the bottom of the list. Thank you so much. Ingram Angle will be next week. I always appreciate it. It's really hot in Brooklyn. I'll see you next week.